Welcome to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent or are uniquely talented themselves. On this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we also talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully that makes sense. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show really looks to explore those two areas. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, and HR executives from all types of industries. When I'm out at networking events and industry conferences, CEO roundtables, I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. In fact, my first guest today is someone I met at one of the Inc. conferences. I created this forum to allow you to listen in on our dialogue and learn some practical advice that will hopefully impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I do want to thank those of you who are tuning in live. Don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet them at peopleg2, hashtag talent talk, and my producer Mike will feed me the best questions and we'll try to work them into the show. Don't forget you can also listen to our sh- the current show and past shows on iTunes or Android by subscribing to the podcast. We have uh, well over, uh, I think, 5,500 uh, current subscribers and a very big following to the live show as well. We really appreciate all of you listening. With that said, let's get today's show started. My guests today include Laura Zander, CEO of Jimmy, Ween- Jimmy Beans Wool, and Joey Price, CEO of JumpStop. Jumpstart HR. Joy will be joining me at the second half of the show. So let's get started with our first guest. Lauren, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I feel like I, I probably know more than you, you prefer I know, but for our, <laughs> our our radio guests, our radio show listeners, let's maybe let them know a little bit about yourself and your incredibly successful company, Jimmy Bean Wool. Hmm, I don't know where to start. Um, I'm from North Carolina. Now I live in the Tahoe, the Reno-Tahoe area. I um, went to school for quite a long time and got a criminal justice degree and a political science degree and worked on a Ph.D. in sociology, and then I turned into a computer scientist or computer programmer um, during the dot-com era in San Francisco and then ended up moving to Tahoe and learned how to knit. So the natural next step would be to open a knitting shop. And that's what I did 11 years ago. My husband and I opened a shop in Truckee, California, and it has grown. Um, We started with a little 500-square-foot shop that had yarn in it and had coffee in it, Um, and now we have a 20,000-square-foot warehouse up in Reno and about 40, 45 employees, Um, and we are still knitting a lot. And a lot more yarn and a lot less coffee, I imagine. (laughs) A lot of coffee, but now we just drink it all. We don't sell any. Right. So how, how did you really end up deciding to do this? Was it just a matter of, well, this is where we are in our lives right now, and let's go make this happen? Or was there, was there more to that? 
Mm, no, there's not that much more. Um, we When we decided to move to Tahoe, because we were mountain biking and skiing and, you know, uh, appreciated being outside a lot and being in the mountains, um, as you can imagine, the computer programming jobs were pretty limited in the area. Um, Truckee's a town of 14,000, or at least at the time, it was a town of 14,000 people. So unless I was, you were a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, um, you know, or a business owner, I mean, those are kind of the only ways that you can make a living or a teacher or whatever, you know. Um, so when we moved here, Doug, um, I ended up doing some software um, on the side, and I was trying to write, create websites and do things for people in this lo- in this town, um, and there just wasn't enough business. So, you know, we're kind of sitting around, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm 27 years old. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I had just learned how to knit and was in a conversation with a woman who um, actually had a, a yarn company. She hand-dyed yarn out of her house and sold it. She's like, you should open a knitting shop. And I'm like, I'm not going to open a knitting shop. I mean, come on. And I went home and was talking to Doug, and I'm like, Warner thinks I should open a knitting shop. And he said, well, maybe you should. You know, just get me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so we figured out. He's like, why don't you figure out how much it would cost and what it would take, and um, and then we could kind of look at it. So the next day I found a you know a commercial realtor, found out how much rent would be. I figured out how much fixtures would be and all that kind of stuff, and we decided that I would open a knitting shop and figured, you know, worst-case scenario, it cost us about $30,000 to get it open. So worst-case scenario, we'll lose $30,000, and then I'll know that I should not open my own business. Right. Um, so, yeah, but no business skills, no retail skills, no nothing. It's all been learned the hard way. But but instead of being a failure, you've been a tremendous success. You know, in, in many channels have been the the poster girl for for ink for the ink magazine you know you're in there quite a bit um, with some really good articles um so you know as you went from this small startup to a company that's been on the ink 5000 list many many times uh, you know what positions in your company were the most critical to fill and how long did it take you to find the right person for to fill those jobs uh, you know, that's an interesting question, and that's actually something that we've kind of struggled with over the last couple of years. Um, our situation is a little bit unique to, um, you know, more traditional or other businesses such as yours in that, um, you know, my husband, Doug, now works for us full-time, and he's worked here for, I don't know, six, seven years. So he does all of the software. So we've never had to find someone. We've never had to hire a programmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have recently, so that's probably been one of the most difficult difficult jobs to fill. Um, but for the most part, like, we have in-house programming. Um, I have been in-house finance. I have been in-house marketing. I have been in-house buying. Um, I've been in-house operations. And it's really been that way. We've been able to kind of make that work. Uh, and then just grow our employees. You know, the first ones they started, they come in, and everybody starts. They come in and they pull orders. You know, for nine or ten bucks an hour, um, and they work in the where. Now we have a warehouse, but before it was just the shop. And they work retail, and they learn how to do kind of everything in the business. And then um, some of them end up going and helping me with the purchasing, or they'll end up helping me with the marketing because they seem to have an aptitude and or an interest. But the majority of people that come in to work here come to work here because they love yarn. They love We sell fabric now for sewing, so they love to sew. They love to quilt. They love to knit. They love to crochet. Mm-hmm. They love being crafty and being around this stuff. So 
most of them are really, you know, most people are happy to come in and they work pulling orders and just being around this. And then as we grow, we need more help doing things that are slightly uh, less discreet, I guess. Um, well, you're you starting know, to bring in people like now that don't have necessarily a passion for yarn, right? Or to be crafty. You need to bring in more strategic people that maybe the product that you're selling isn't as important. It's more important about what their aptitudes are. Is that what you're saying? You know, we thought actually that was kind of, that's been something that we've been learning the last couple of years. We thought that that's what we needed to do because that's what all the books say and that's what mm-hmm. the conferences tell you is that you need to bring people in that are more strategic and they shouldn't have a passion. And we have just come full circle and found that the people that have, that we can teach strategy um, and that you can't teach the passion for the product. And we can teach these other, teach the people that come in to love being around this. How to be, um, how to how to manage our advertising schedule. We can teach them how to pitch things to magazines. Uh, we can teach all that, but right. what we can't teach is just an undying passion and a love for what we do. So we're actually kind of doing the reverse of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring uh, up an, the- an interesting point. A lot of people talk about hiring for, you know, what they're partly for their aptitude, what they can do, I mean, and maybe their their attitude, but not really hiring for their experience. Um, a lot of companies are really making that shift lately. They're looking for the right person, not necessarily the one who's done it yet, but who has that ability to learn into how, or, or the skills to, to be shaped and molded in a way that, that can really benefit the company. And then that's kind of what you're seeing, right? You need to have yeah. that passion, but then that you can teach them the rest. We want them to have that passion, and we also want them to be part of a family. I mean, that sounds kind of cliche, but we have an extremely flexible environment, uh, and in return for our flexibility, we expect other, we hope that people that work here will be flexible with us and will give a little extra. Um, and that's just kind of that, you know, again, a family environment. It's okay to yell at somebody if you get mad at them, um, but you better say you're sorry the next day, and if you do, then everything's okay. Right. You know, we're not walking on eggshells around here. Um, and we found that that's really, really important. We all feel very comfortable and vulnerable around each other and yeah. are very open and honest. So do you think that you've changed as a leader as your organization grew? <laughs> yeah, yes. So maybe yeah. you can talk about some of those changes and why it was important for your success. Um, well, I think that, and again, this may be unique to us or maybe it's not, but I, I call myself kind of a reluctant leader. Um, I've never really thought of myself as a leader. I just do what I do. Um, and I've actually felt a lot of guilt about like asking people to do stuff or pretending that I know more. Um, so that's something that I've really struggled with and have been working on for the last couple of years is to figure out who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing and what my role with the business is um, because I do really feel like um, I'm trying to find that balance between recognizing and understanding that every single person that works here is equally as important and every single job here is critical to the system. You know, if we don't ship a package out, that's more important than not sending, replying to somebody, you know, in my email inbox. Um, and so figuring out that balance of how do you respect and um, appreciate all of the little tasks and all of the jobs that get done, but then also recognize the way I'm working on is recognizing that I do need to be a leader, and that doesn't necessarily mean I think I'm better than somebody else. Um, so I, I don't really know how to answer that other than I, 
uh, that's kind of business therapy that I'm going through right now. Is how do I accept that and understand that people, even if I don't feel that way, maybe people look at me that way. Well, I mean, at some point it could just be driving that passion, keeping that culture and passion, things that you talked about, having that family experience, having that flexibility and having that passion for the business uh, and, and what you're selling, being the driver of that may be your most important role. I mean, the next question that I had for you was, you know, does loving what you do help drive your success? And I, I, I probably don't even need to ask you that. I mean, it's pretty obvious that passion is a really big part of what you're doing, and, and you've taken the, even the step further of uh, of that being your number one thing when you're, you're bringing in somebody, aside from what their talents are or what they can do for your company. It's, do they love what you're doing, right? Do, will, they, will they love what your company's doing? Yes, exactly, and that's in our customers. And again, this is kind of uh, intrinsic to our industry specifically. I mean, it's probably a little bit different for the nuts and bolts manufacturer guy, but our customers are passionate. I mean, that's what makes them uh, who they are. I mean, and and being able to knit or crochet or sew or do whatever the craft is. For, you know, I was liken it to the ski industry. Um, we have to be, we want to be passionate because, and we are our best customers. I mean, if you run <laughs> run a report of who our best 20 customers are, oftentimes half of them are our employees um, because we are so passionate and so are our customers and that's how we can relate. So, mm-hmm. so yes, I'm extremely passionate about all of it. Um, it's really exciting. I mean, it's, and it's fun. It's really, really fun. Well, then that's an important factor, too. If you feel like it's fun and you're you're really enjoying all of the things that come along with it, I mean, you can be working on budgets and hiring people and, you know, doing the things that you need to do that's hard for the business sometimes, but if it's still fun, I mean, you're in a very unique position that a lot of people would love to be in. Yes, yep. Most days I feel that way. <laughs> so do you think there's a, a specific skill or technique that, maybe really contributes to your success? I mean, you talked a little bit about being a reluctant leader and having to maybe work on that a little bit, but do you think there's something out there that you had to work on over time um, that you had to really change about yourself to, to help the company succeed? Yeah, the one thing um, that I've had to work on and we've identified is my definite lack of um, an affinity for structure. I don't, I don't believe in job. It's not that I don't believe in job titles, but, I don't need a job title, so I never understand why anybody else needs a job title. Right. Um, I, you know, even hours, I'm just like, I don't care when you come in or when you leave, we just get the work done. And, you know, that's really great for me, but that frustrates other people that work here. Right. <laughs> some people actually <laughs> like to have structure, and some people like to have a time that they're supposed to get here. So um, I've had to find, you know, what we've ended up with is, I have a, a right-hand man, if you will, that is very structured, extremely, extremely structured. And so she can put into place the policies. I mean, you know, everything was just super lazy fair. It's, oh, you want to take a day off? No problem. All right. And then um, they just take the day off. But now we actually have forms that you fill out. You know, we've got, we're scheduling things in advance. Um, and so that's something, again, I've recognized that I'm, I've recognized and accepted that I'm probably not going to change, or I could, but why should, and we feel this way about all jobs and all attributes of all the people that work here, um, I could change and become significantly more structured, or I could spend that time and energy to change and use that to build the business and do the things that come really naturally for me, and instead find somebody else to compensate for the things at which I suck. 
Right, um, and, and so you've ultimately done what a, we're seeing a lot, of, a lot of business books talking about this recently, that really highly successful people don't actually change what they're bad at. They really focus in on what they're good at. There's the few things right. they're good at, and then they delegate those other things that they're bad at. So, yep. you, you know, you you really recognize that you're not so structured, that but your company needed some structure. So I think a lot of people unsuccessful people would try to change themselves and be more structured and spend all this effort and all this time and energy doing something that is not natural for them instead of bringing in someone to go and put that structure in there and leaving your environment the way it's probably comfortable for you. Uh, you there's probably a lot more structure in your day than you want to admit, but you probably feel like you're not as as, as structured as as, uh, as most people, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I have a hard time dictating structure. Dict- and, that, and that's a big part too. I mean, it's, it's easier to be uh, structured for yourself, but to be come up with schedules and when do people need to be here and how, how does that affect right. everyone? And does John need to be here when Jane is here? And uh, yeah, if that's not something you're good at or not something you want to do. That's another part of it. Yeah. Getting rid of exactly. it to somebody else is a great idea. Yeah. No, and it's not my talent and it, so happens that my right hand man that is her talent she's excellent at it like unbelievable at it so Mm -hmm. and we kind of carry that philosophy i mean we do carry that philosophy to every single person here so when when i interview somebody for a nine dollar or ten dollar an hour job doesn't matter one of the first things i say is what do you suck at i need to know what you're really not good at because i don't want to change that about you i just need to know so we can find make sure that we put you in a spot so that you're not doing that all the time and because chances are we have somebody else that's really good at what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. So why beat your head against the wall? If you're always late to work, I don't want to force you to try to, I mean, that's stressful, to try to, like, compensate for that. Why don't we just change your schedule slightly? And we don't even have to tell you. But we'll just assume that you'll always be here 15 minutes later and done. We never have to worry about it again. Right, right. You know, as a business leader, who's had the greatest impact on your overall leadership development? My husband, Doug. Um, Why is that? The people that I, I know and can talk to. Because he is, um, I don't want to say he's the polar opposite of me, but we, we complement each other really well. And that I kind of, I consider him my mentor. Um, I'm no, one, of, one of my greatest talents, I guess, I just recognize is my ability to make really quick decisions and to move forward very quickly with things. You can pivot That's quickly. Also one of, huh? You, you can pivot quickly. I can do that very, very quickly and make things happen very quickly. Um, you know, if we have an idea for a product, I usually can have, I'll have an idea at 10 in the morning and we've got the product put together, we've got a prototype, we've got deals with our manufacturers, blah, 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 by 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we've got it in production and on the website within 12 hours. Um, but that's also one of my greatest flaws, <laughs> is that obviously, that I act too quickly. Right. Um, and particularly when it comes to um, interpersonal things, you know, and, and making decisions about stuff that's going on, you know, with our employees or operations, whatever. And Doug is very, very stable and very consistent. And, um, you know, while I'm up and down and up and down, he's obviously, you know, a lot more even keel. And so he's great. So I'll come to him and say, what should I do about this? I. What do you think about this? And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. What we should, you know, here's one way to think about it. So it's just a really great compliment, you know, to have kind of that quick thinking and then have the um, more introspective thinking. So he's been able to really guide us 
in everything from spending our money to how we advertise to marketing strategies to um, employee development. I mean, just everything across the board. And it's really nice because we talk about it 20 hours a day. Right, right. A good good yin and yang there, kind of a a relationship. Yeah, that's fantastic. So one of our favorite questions to ask guests is, what are you reading right now? You know, I have not. Normally I read a ton. And I have taken a break from reading for the last two months because my brain has just been too full. Uh, yeah. Um, We've had a few uh, guests talk about having to take breaks or having to take enough time to be able to implement some of the great ideas that they've been reading. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I can tell you what's next on my list is That's good. Um, the new Dan and Chip Heath book. I don't remember the title of it. It's with a D, but... Um, I've read their other two ones, and they're really groundbreaking. Or I, I just, I think they're amazing. And what were the authors again? The new book, Dan and Chip Heath, the Heath brothers. Heath brothers. Okay, put that on our list to check out. We had a, a really good um, recommendation from uh, the previous uh, couple weeks ago. A guest talking about daring greatly. That was one that we've been hearing a lot about. Um, mm. So uh, one that I need to check out as well. Uh, you know, what advice might you have for our listeners who are looking to develop the talent they have? I mean, how do you get the most out of each person? I mean, you, you talked about getting the right people. You talked about getting people who are passionate. But when they're actually there in their day-to-day work, how do you get the most out of them? Um, I think it's my experience so far has been by applying the how to win the principles and how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I don't know any other way to put it, but to when somebody makes a mistake, recognize that people make mistakes. That's why we're people. Um, we're not robots. And to encourage people, incur, you know, we almost demand that people make mistakes every day because if we're not making mistakes and we're not trying new things, and it's okay to have an idea fail. We expect ideas to fail. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I think it's, you know, being very, very conscious of being critical of people personally um, and kind of having an open environment where you can feel where we're all vulnerable um, and we recognize what we suck at, each of us, because we do. You know, and if you have to try to hide that kind of stuff, then it's, it's a, I don't know, it just it, it makes it more difficult, you know, on a day-to-day basis to get really good stuff done. Mm-hmm. And do you find any challenges within your own creative or brainstorming process? With as fast as you move, are you able to still effectively get those suggestions and input from your team, or are they just ready to run just as fast as you? Um, no, we don't. We, and we actually we find the most success when we have, I don't want to say as many people as involved as possible um, with a brainstorm, but kind of what we do is we have a a morning circle, you know, where we have everybody that gets together for five or ten minutes and we kind of talk about what's going on that day. And I'll come in and I'll say, okay, guys, I've got this idea. Help me make it better. Um, Come grab me anytime during the day or whenever you see me if you can think of a way to make this idea better. Um, But I need to know by the end of the day because we're moving forward with it. Uh, and then usually I actually just, I'll walk out into the warehouse and I'll pick three or four people and i walk up to them and say, okay, here's my idea. What do you think about it? You know, give me your 20-second, you know, your immediate response. And they seem to, uh, my impression is people really like it. They like the speed. They like the excitement. They like um, things changing quickly and right. the highs and the lows of coming up with an idea that's successful or not. 
Well, Laura, you've been a, a wonderful guest, and I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, our final question today is, how can people reach you or learn more about uh, Jimmy Bean Wool if they're interested? Oh, uh, I guess go to jimmybeanswool.com um, or look at us look us up on Facebook, and you can always send us a message that way. That's probably the easiest. Well, again, thank you so much for being our guest on the Talent Talk radio show. It was a pleasure having you. Hopefully you can... Um, Come back and give us an update at some point of how you're doing and how your company's growing. We'll definitely be interested to, to keep in touch with you. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. Uh, Joey Price is coming up next after we take a quick commercial break. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. And now back to Chris and his next guest. Welcome back to the Talent Talk radio show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab and, of course, clicking on Talent Talk. In the short time we've existed, we've already matched a huge following uh, on iTunes, Android, and all sorts of uh, different podcast mediums, and we really thank you. My next guest is Joey Price, CEO of Jumpstart HR. Don't forget to tweet your questions live right now for Joey by sending them to at peopleg2, hashtag talent talk. Joey, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. So tell us about yourself and a little bit about your background in HR and, of course, your company uh, you currently operate, Jumpstart HR. Okay. Uh, I have been working in the HR field for about seven years now, and uh, I have a background in everything from HR generalist to HR assistant, um, even a term as interim HR director for a large federal contractor uh, in the state of Maryland. And so in starting my company, Jumpstart HR, I saw the same kind of challenges and, and broken systems within small business HR administration. Um, sometimes you would have a senior HR professional who uh, does not have the strategic input or uh, the leadership that doesn't see HR as a strategic component. Uh, and a, a lot of information out there you see that it's very important, whether you're a large company or a small company, to focus on 
the strategic component of human resources and how you can leverage your staff, which should be your greatest resource, um, leverage your staff to accomplish business goals. So we've been in business for two years now, um, two years and a few months, uh, just celebrated a recent birthday. And uh, it's just great to work with small business clients across the U.S. and helping them in their HR goals. And you were recently honored by the Baltimore Business Journal as one of the top 40 young professionals under 40. Maybe you can share a little bit about what this means for you and and your business. That was a huge, huge honor. Uh, and, and being the age that I am, I, I still have a ways to, to go and, and learn and grow. But it's just been great to see that the local media has recognized some of the contributions that my company has brought to the field of HR um, not just nationally, but even in our local community uh, with some of the clients that we've been able to help and even some of the community service projects that we had. Uh, last April, we had a Spring Forward Give Back charity dinner, and that was a, a goal of mine to kind of give back to the community and identify nonprofits that need some, some support. So I think with, with all that being said, the, the BBJ's Top 40 Under 40 recognition it's a great marketing tool and it just speaks to the the quality of information and the quality of of our company and and what we can provide to our clients prospects and even the the greater community at large you mentioned that your company's what two years and some months old and and so you're still certainly in that uh major growth stage and and really probably trying to build your company the way in which you've envisioned but you know, as you started, what would be maybe sort of your, some of your biggest challenges that you had uh, to really get the company off the ground? Well, being that I'm in HR consulting or we're in the field of HR consulting, the hardest thing that I had was packaging the correct value proposition. Our business model is a unique business model, and it is managed HR services. So a lot of times people will instantly gravitate to the idea of, oh, that's HR outsourcing uh, or, oh, that's HR consulting. And, yes, there are components of those in what we do, uh, but it's similar. Our business is more similar to the managed IT model where we actually provide the HR outsourcing, but if something goes wrong on site or if there needs to be filing or if you need to have someone come in and serve as a representative of your company for a new hire orientation or training, um, and even through, to facilitate the termination process, we actually go in on site and serve as that representative. So it's, it's my way of having the efficiency of outsourcing plus the personal touch of having, let's say, a, a teleworking employee or a teleworking business department. So, you know, for every new startup, there, there tends to be kind of one key talent hire that they have to make that really makes a big difference for them uh, as things begin to move forward. And, and, and maybe you're at that, that, that stage or you've passed that stage. You know, wh- what do you think has been a key hire for your company during the last two-plus years? Wow. Um, I think I actually have two answers for that. Um when I first started out, I looking into virtual assistants, and so hiring my first virtual assistant, uh, his name was Rolando, that was very beneficial. It allowed me to 
have access to more research. Uh, he would be able to utilize some of our social media and uh, help build buzz and awareness uh, and keep me abreast of different articles and, and things that would keep me sharp as both an HR professional and as a, a, a business owner. Uh, but then also, I would say that another key hire, it's not exactly a hire, but having a business coach was very important. Um, my company is affiliated with the Howard Tech Council, uh, which is in Howard County, Maryland, and the Maryland Center for Entrepreneurship. And so being a part of the program that we're in, uh, we have access to different business coaches. And so I think having someone who can serve as my administrative support has been immensely helpful. But then also having a business coach who can help guide through um, the different challenges of marketing, sales, um, even personnel and, and leadership, you know, as a, as a young, young business owner. I think those two were very important. Having someone who could help me and has walked the walk and talked the talk, but then also having the administrative support. Those two were, were very helpful starting out. You mentioned earlier kind of having some different com- components or complexities to your business that you know, there are many different types of issues and services that you provide that companies may need. And, of course, they may tend to gravitate to a particular value proposition because that's what they know. But do you, do you see that there's maybe one or two issues within the talent development area where companies tend to struggle with pretty consistently? My company specializes working with entrepreneurs that are just starting out and up to uh, 99 employees. And so in the small business space, I see less of a focus on employee development and culture. And those are very important when it comes to the uh, talent development um, roles in your organization. The reason why those are important is because you really want to make sure that your employees see why they do what they do and they can tie it to the overall business objectives of the organization. So you really want to create a symbiotic relationship between your employees' goals and the goals of the organization. And so as your employees seek to better themselves, um, it's important for small business owners and, and entrepreneurs to, to also see how they can leverage that personal growth for their own for their own benefit. And sometimes we try to keep employees in a box and say, well, you're our marketing assistant, so you can only focus on marketing, or you're the uh, accounting manager, so you can only focus on accounting. But a lot of people have side skills or um, – you know, backgrounds that could also add value to your organization. So the biggest thing I think is employee engagement, getting people motivated about the work and uh, seeing themselves in the, in the job and creating a culture that, that fosters that kind of uh, approach. Well, I'm sure that your, um, your clients and those people you're talking to are really in tune and listening to the advice that you're, you're giving, like the, some of the advice you just now mentioned, and maybe some of that comes a little bit of, of extra help being that you were honored and recognized as, you know, I think it was Kevin Cruz's book, as one of the top 100 employee engagement experts in the world. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that honor and, and how that came about. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin. Kevin's a really great guy, and, and I love reading his, his, his thoughts 
on uh, on Forbes and in his books and that came about just from developing the relationship with Kevin and uh, him taking a look at some of the articles I had on my blog and some of the comments that I would share in social media and Twitter chat and I guess he kind of identified it with some of the some of the themes that I had for example there was one article that I posted called um, who's cooking your fry and in that article I talked about the business owner who wants to plan the menu cook the fries flip the burgers uh, it's important as a leader to understand that employee engagement is also about delegating and empowering others to excel and so that means you're going to have to be hands-off you know I, I had the analogy of like a McDonald's or a, a fast food restaurant and in order for a, a company to grow and be successful you're going to have to empower those around you mm-hmm. uh, to to handle their job and so I, I think just from from that one of those early articles I just kind of landed on his radar and it was a huge surprise but a, a, a great honor and again this and the BBJ top 40 under 40 I, I think it just speaks to the the level of passion and the quality uh, that we offer to our clients and, and prospects. Who do you think has had the greatest impact on your own personal development? Well, first of all, I would say growing up with my dad and seeing him being the, the solid rock through a lot of, of different ebbs and flows in our family. Um, he was the, the go-to guy. If anything needs to be done, you know, he'd do his best to make sure it happened. Uh, and so I kind of carry that leadership style into into business. You know, no job is too small, and I try to rally around my team to make sure that everybody's motivated. Uh, but then I, I also have two great mentors, um, Alan Tucker and Milton Hall, and they like to say that uh, they are my biggest cheerleader and also biggest critics. So they make sure sword. that I don't. <laughs> what did you say? I said a double-edged sword there. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a system of checks and balances there, um, making sure that I stay stay focused. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes that means them seeing things and asking tough questions, and me having to reflect and and go off and and do assignments. Uh, but I would say those three guys have been very very instrumental in my leadership development. Sarah. Maybe a specific skill or technique that you feel really really contributes to your role now, but you had to work on over time. As an with a background as an HR professional, you know I love HR and I could do HR all day long. You could give me numbers, you could give me research, you could give me tough employee problems, and that's something that I would do from sunup to sundown and even back to sunup again. Um, but as a business owner, having to shift and grow in my networking abilities. Uh, I would say that's something that I didn't necessarily have a lot of practice in at first. And so it's been very important um, building relationships and uh, just trying to connect different people in my life, whether it's a client who needs a, uh, an insurance broker or a, um, you know, retirement planning specialist 
you know, just having people in my circle that I can refer and, and trust that they're going to do a good job. Uh, that helps with the quality of service that the client receives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then even when I'm out and developing my pitch and talking to potential prospects or business owners out at different networking events, uh, I've had to develop that skill and not just that initial meeting, but the follow-up meetings and keeping in touch and adding value to their lives. So I say that that was the one skill that really helps a lot because You know, I could be, I mean, I'm not, but I could be the greatest HR person that ever walked the face of the, of the world. Uh, but if no one, if no one knows about me, then, you know, that doesn't really do good for business development. So it, it's taken a lot of intentionality and and stepping out there and, uh, reaching out and connecting with people that either need my services or that I could use their services and just building relationships. You mentioned some some personal development and some mentoring um, and really having a passion around HR. Um, but one of the other components of that is sometimes your own internal learning. And one of the, our favorite things to ask our guests uh, on the show is, what are you reading right now? <laughs> well, anybody that knows me knows I'm always reading. And a lot of times I've, I've transitioned to reading audiobooks. But I'm in a phase right now where we're looking to develop new um, business processes and even new client offerings. So uh, I have revisited this book called Business Model Generation, and it's a pretty popular book, uh, but it, it lays out a format, a great format of how to take any idea, whether it's for business, whether it's for a nonprofit, any goal, it's, it's like business model and project management all in one. And so this is the part of the year where I do go on a retreat and uh, figure out ways to add, add different offerings or cut different offerings. And so business model generation breaks down everything from what are your value propositions, what are your revenue streams, who are your key um, components to make this idea happen, who are your target customers, um, it's a really great book, and I recommend it for anyone who has been in business for a while and wants a, a fresh approach to creating ideas and generating ideas, uh, all the way to the person who's looking to start their business and make sure they have all the right components accounted for. So do you kind of push that then in, into a, you said you're going to have a retreat, kind of in a brainstorming and a creative process? Yes, yes. And how do you how do you do that effectively with your team? You know, what are some of your your tips or tricks on on brainstorming effectively? Well, I like to brainstorm in a group, uh, but but before you get to that process, it's it's almost like it's almost like a crock pot. Um, you you bring a lot of ideas and you let them simmer for a while. So you could go days, months, weeks, you know, with with ideas floating around and talking to different people about these ideas and talking to different members of the team and allowing everyone to reflect and see how this might be beneficial or, um, you know, what alternatives there might be. And you just let ideas sit for a while. Uh, But then you do have a definite endpoint where you get together and you say, all right, let's hash things out. So as an example, one of the areas that we're looking to improve 
upon in uh, 2014 would be the uh, process management and uh, handling the client requests. So, you know, toying around with the idea of a, um, a help desk system or a ticketing system that goes beyond, you know, just normal email exchange uh, and, and really focusing a lot on automation this year. So, you know, toying around with, with, with these things and talking to different staff members and saying, okay, well, how would something like this impact your job and how would this remove barriers to success in your in your day-to-day operations and uh, just getting that kind of feedback and then also even reaching out to clients and saying hey we're thinking about implementing this process would this make your life easier mm-hmm. uh, or not so it's more uh, of a I methodical slow let it kind of sink in process than it is yeah. you know, and our last guest Laura really talked about how she moves so fast you know, people are trying to run and keep up with her, but you sounds like you have more methodical kind of a process here. Yeah, very methodical, very linear, um, and it, it's weird because I am a creative, uh, but I try to, I try to be linear and have creative components as opposed to being a creative and trying to put some linear process to that. Um, I, I don't like the phrase herding cats, and a lot of times people with ideas or um, if you're being creative and you're just throwing things out there, um, it can be like herding cats. Uh, very, very hard to, to put a, put a, put a bow around. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I do like to have things linear. It just allows me to, to itemize and organize my thoughts. Well, and there seems to be a certain amount of passion that you have for HR. I mean, you said you could probably do being HR all day long. So it, does that also then become a challenge when you're bringing people into your organization to, to find people who have the same level of passion? And do you think that that, that passion and loving what you're doing is, is important for all companies? I would say that it's very important that when you, when you interview a candidate and you're determining whether or not they'd be a, a good fit for your organization, one of the most important things that you should convey to a candidate and then see their response on is uh, whether or not um, they could see themselves in the job that you are hiring for. And that's not just, oh, I'm interested in making widgets or, oh, I went to school for accounting and so now I want to be your um, accounting clerk. But do you see them fitting into the ecosystem of your organization? Um, a, a lot of different organizations have different cultures. And so even if you have two graduates from, I don't know, my alma mater, the University of College Park, and they graduated from the business school with an accounting degree, one person may be better suited for a company versus the other. And it, it really boils down to, you know, that, that person's beliefs the team that the person's going to be working with and the personalities on that team. It's very important to make sure that you have a sense of the team, a sense of the candidate, and the candidate has a sense of the mission of the company, and they can see themselves in that role uh, so that they can continue to grow their talents and 
and not just grow their talents, but, but benefit the company as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important part. I mean, we've talked a lot about people with passion and, and how they really they deal with that. Uh, Joey, I really want to thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate having you as a guest, and hopefully you can come back and share more with us and what you're doing with your company as you, you grow and, and have more experiences with, with your company. Oh, thanks so much. I'd love to be back. So that's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my special guests, Laura Zander and Joey Price. Tune in next week, the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2, to hear William Tincup, CEO of Tincup & Company, and Suzanne Coons, Director of Talent Acquisition and Organizational Development at Vans and Reef, uh, the big retail uh, clothing uh, company. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping you with their people-related decisions. For more information, simply visit www.peopleg2.com.